1: Okay, are you ready to clap? Go. Mine appeared as a spike and I hit the microphone.
0: Mine appeared as a spike and I hit myself in the face. And
1: that's our intro.
0: We're doing so good.
1: Hey, Ellie. Hey, beautiful, also known as Celeste. How goes it?
0: Hi. It goes well. How does it go over there?
1: It goes. Uh, now that I don't look like I am in a bad metal music video,
0: you know that was rough. It looked like a it looked like a bad Insidious clip. It it was spooky and haunting and fucking weird, and it was very uncomfortable, and I didn't like it. So I am glad we're back to this now.
1: That's actually my true nature due to being dead inside.
0: (laughs) You saw my true self.
1: Before we get into things, I would like to celebrate.
0: What are we celebrating?
1: The president and vice president-elects. I'm personally (gasps) so grateful. Yeah, I mean, we don't have to get into it. I'm just grateful and super excited, especially about Kamala being the first woman vice president. And being such a role model for so many little girls of all color. And just for little girls in general.
0: In general. Like, she shattered the glass ceiling. Like, honestly. So, I I agree. I think grateful is a really good word, mm-hmm. which feels weird for me. It feels weird for me as somebody who generally li- aligns with Republican party concepts. Uh, but... I I voted for Biden this year. There there was no... I, I'm going to be honest, there was no good choice. Like, I'm going to say that. But of the choices we had, Biden and Kamala were the correct choice.
1: Yeah, I agree with that sentiment. I saw a quote the other day that was so accurate, it gave me chills. And it was that Madam Vice President is no longer a fictional or a literary term.
0: Ooh, it's actually a real person now. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That also gave me chills. And I, you know, I saw similarly something that really, really struck me. I saw this clip that was like the 46 vice presidents leading up to now. And the pictures were all in black and white, obviously, because they're all white men. And the in, then on the far right of the picture was this picture of Kamala standing tall and beautiful in her heels, looking just like the fucking warrior princess that she is. And it was just so striking to see her.
1: You apparently forgot about Obama.
0: He wasn't a vice president. This was just vice presidents.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were talking no, about presidents. No, no, shout out to Obama. So we confused. love him too, but
0: no, this was just vice presidents, which have historically all yes. been white men. So my dad, I'm sorry. You, you, you back up right there.
1: I am. <laughs> I am all the way in my corner.
0: But no, for real, I couldn't agree more grateful, and our country really needs this reprieve uh, from hate and from divide and from fucking ass mouth twitter tweets like that's got to stop yep and just also to your point of what a beautiful symbolic moment for women all over the country but also women Mm -hmm. of color all over the country like truly such a beautiful thing it's inspiring
1: yeah healing's gonna take a while but i hope that we can all get there
0: i couldn't agree more It's not going to happen overnight, but I think that if it were going to happen, this is the way that it will. Agreed. Yeah.
1: On that note.
0: So, on that note, I love, I was going to say the same thing. What are we drinking today? You first. Me first. Well. Just because. It's been a minute since I have purchased any form of beverage that, any form of beverage at all, quite honestly. So, I reached into the deep, into the deep, dark depths of my fridge and i pulled out a natural light natter days Woohoo!
1: wow that's like a throwback to uh i don't know what episode that was even. Uh, i feel like don't bully my breed maybe who knows maybe
0: for anybody who is catching up from the beginning let us know what episode natural light <laughs> natter days is in with the little flamingo can look at how cute it is That is adorable i know i love it what are you drinking today
1: I got one of those mix and match, which was full of accidents and full of failure, which Nick and I switched.
0: Can you tell people what the mix and match is? Because maybe not everybody knows.
1: So it's a, it's literally what the name implies. You get to (laughs) mix and match and choose your own alcoholic beverages from a few different coolers. And you can choose up to six to put in this little carrier and I choose based on can look and the name because Same. I'm a professional. Yep. So the one I've liked the most so far is called Avalanche. And I can't remember what brewery that was from, but this is this is called Night Rain. And it's from Oso Brewing Company. And it's a porter. Oh, okay. And I don't even know if I like porters, but... Do you like this one? It's good. I like it. Um <laughs> It's description as dark, robust, and chewy. Chewy. Typically those are not words I would go for in a beer, but
0: You know, I, I was with you on dark and robust and I was like, ooh, that doesn't sound so bad. And then you said chewy. And I was like, I have never heard a beer described as chewy. Is it do you feel chewy?
1: No. Thank God.
0: I don't even know what that adjective would represent.
1: It throws me back to country fried chewy penis.
0: Shout out to cannibalism.
1: <laughs> and I just don't even want to go there. Yeah, I'm not unhappy with it. I'm normally an amber girl, but I could get Ooh, used to this. Get it, baby.
0: Well, I love that we've discussed politics and that we've discussed our beverage choices. But what I'm super excited about is getting straight into no fucks given November.
1: Agreed. So I kind of wanted to preface this episode by saying we had the opportunity to potentially do an interview on this and I opted out of it because I literally knew nothing about this subject and I felt that I couldn't properly do an interview because I knew nothing and I think that's kind of an indicator of the issues that will show themselves within this episode, if that makes sense.
0: It totally does. And I actually really appreciate that you took that approach in telling me and our listeners that because I honestly wasn't sure. For I asked a couple times and finally just the other night you gave me an answer that like made sense to me. But I wasn't sure why we weren't doing this episode with a special guest, but I completely agree with you. I completely respect and understand your decision, and I think it was the right decision. I think it was the right decision in that we don't, in that you hadn't known enough about this culture to speak to it in a sense outside of just factually, which is honestly where this conversation should start for anyone else who doesn't know about this culture. So I think this is the right approach to start with. I also think it's very important that we called that out. So huge high five to you, my love. I'm you can see me sending you a high five.
1: I'm, I'm not I'm gonna send I'm it back, sorry.
0: Um and also I want to follow that thought up with we will absolutely be revisiting this topic with a special guest, because there is so much about this culture that we cannot speak to. We did get interview bullet points and pieces to share with you from the perspective of people within this culture, but I would absolutely love to have an episode where we have a special guest join us and really help us articulate and get that get the culture across, because again, there's just so much we can't speak to as white women. But I think that this is an important place to start.
1: I agree. And since I rearranged my notes last night, things kind of fell into place and started clicking for me. So hopefully I can present a little bit of knowledge to everyone in a way that helps kind of dip a toe in the water.
0: I think that it's going to be amazing because you're a genius and you're beautiful, and we love you so much. And also, I have some background information on this culture, and I think between the two of us, it's going to be amazing.
1: With that being said, today's episode is about the Hmong immigration in the United States.
0: Hmong culture! I'm so excited. I'm literally so excited. Oh my god, I just want to start this episode by saying the first time that I ever learned anything about Hmong culture, I actually cried my face off. It was in the middle of a it was in the middle of a diversity class and I sobbed. I just sat there and cried, which I don't want to do today, but I just I there were so many pieces that were so beautiful and so heartbreaking that I had absolutely no idea even existed. So I'm so excited to do this episode with you today.
1: Yeah, I was definitely watching, not watching, listening to a video today while at our real jobs, and I started crying while listening to the video because it was so heartbreaking. I'd already done the research, but I had chosen to do some additional listening, and and I chose to make the bad decision to listen to it during work hours, and here we are.
0: Cheers to our day jobs and bad decisions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do actually have quite a few direct quotes in this that I do have sources for that I'll quote. But to start out with, my main sources were from blog.brown.edu, culturalsurvival.org, The Atlantic, PBS.org, and JeffLindsay.com.
0: Awesome! I love that you just got it out all right away, so you don't have to sort your you don't have to cite your sources later because you know. I get so excited and I forget, and then I feel like we're plagiarizing, even though that's never my intention.
1: There definitely will be some that I cite later on because they say things much more eloquently than I ever could, but yeah.
0: That's fair. That's fair. All right. Are you ready?
1: I am. So a little bit of background.
0: Let's hear it.
1: Okay. The home of the Hmong was originally China. But clashes with the government in the nineteenth century caused many to flee to Southeast Asia, particularly Laos. They organize into family clans. Traditionally there are eighteen and would partake in substance farming and fishing. The Hmong religion is animist, the belief in spiritual world I'm sorry, the belief in the spirit world slash interconnectedness of all living things and natural objects, which I thought was something that you could really relate to.
0: I deeply relate to that and I think that's so beautiful. And it gives me all the happies because I am just, I am still in this spiritual journey of my own. And I really, really appreciate other cultures that have a religion that is a very freely based spiritual concept. So cheers to Hmong culture.
1: Cheers. They believe that bodies can carry various souls. They also have shamans. Which hold very respected um, places. They are held in a very okay. highly respected High regard, regard yeah. within their culture. Thank you. Yes, traditional Hmong culture ties into the practice of Confucius. Confucian- what is Confucianism? Confucianism. I said that wrong, which made that you would say be why I don't
0: know that word.
1: <laughs> traditional Hmong culture ties into the practice of Confucianism, which is based around. Well, do you want me to explain it? I to you? I
0: do. I don't know what this is at all.
1: So, it's based around the teachings of Confucius, and I won't dive into too deep, but it's based around his teachings and another individual's teachings whose name I can't remember. But basically, it's tied around patriarchal builds, extended family systems, and people, PD or piety, I think it's pronounced. Okay. Which is taking care of one's parents or elders. Oh, okay. I probably mispronounced all of that, and Laren's going to text me later on.
0: Shout out to Laren. Thanks for always being our spot checker.
1: (laughs) There is great respect towards the elders and strong families, and they emphasize the importance of the relationships between relatives and clans. So there is essentially the bonds between everyone is held in very high regard within the Hmong culture.
0: I, I really appreciate that for a lot of reasons. And I think it's because it just, it shows such a direct respect to your history, your heritage, your family. I mean, obviously there are things about that that I don't necessarily love, but that's because we grew up in a different culture. But I think I really appreciate that structure of, like you said, patriarchy in following that lineage, I prefer a matriarch system, but it's the same thing. It's just a male leader versus a
1: female leader. I prefer an equal system regardless. One thing that I think is lacking in our culture is a respect for the elders. Yes, we do to a degree, but we don't really sit down and learn from them anymore. There's no, there's no, they're not seen as relevant any longer.
0: Yeah. Not only that, but I mean, shout out to Andrew. Love you. But Andrew and his generation have that phrase of like, okay, boomer, that's the least respectful thing I can think of in in regard to this concept of like respecting your elders and valuing the wisdom and experience and knowledge that they have. I think, again, that might be a cultural difference because we have seen, especially in this election, that there were a lot of boomers who are so firmly stuck in their ways that they they wouldn't open up to the idea of change. But not all boomers are like that. That's, that's not fair to say at all. But I think the piece that you're saying is really important in understanding, regardless of if you agree with their views or not. Older people, elderly people are so chocked full of wisdom and life experience and it's not fair to discredit them just because they're old or just because they're older or because maybe they're a little bit more stubborn or slow or whatever the case may be. They've still lived literally so much more life than you or I have and that's really important to recognize.
1: Yep, I agree with that 100%. One of the interesting things that I found is that the Hmong language is primarily oral. There have been some written attempts, but it's not a solidified thing. It's a primarily oral slash spoken language. Okay. So to dive into why the Hmong emigrated.
0: Was it by choice or was it not by choice?
1: Uh it's kinda like a double sided blade.
0: Double edged sword? Yep. That was my lightsaber noise.
1: So, due to the Cold War, the CIA asked the Hmong in Laos for assistance in cutting off supplies to the Viet Cong with the promise that if the U.S. lost the war, they would help the Hmong resettle. This was also known as the Secret War. Ooh.
0: Anything that starts with the secret that's a government thing is probably a really bad fucking idea.
1: Yeah, no shit, right? (laughs) This is absolutely insane to me. Like the more I read about this, the more yeah it's just disgusting.
0: I am really looking forward to us getting into it so we can talk about how fucking disgusting it
1: is. So this is gonna be a direct quote from culturalsurvival dot org and it kinda of sums up the history of it, but we'll dive into it deeper afterwards. Okay. So from cultural dot org. During the Indochina War, the country of Laos held an official neutral position. The Hmong, however, fought both sides in this political struggle. The communist faction of Laos, the Pathet Lao, was aided by the USSR and China, supported by the North Vietnamese. The U.S.-backed pro-Western Royal Lao government recruited Hmong General Vang Pao's guerrilla army, which included the largest part of the Hmong population, to fight the Pathet Lao and the North Vietnamese. The 1975 Pathet Lao, Pet Lao victory cost the Hmong an estimated thirty thousand lives, approximately ten percent of their total population. The position for the surviving US allied Hmong was politically was politically very sensitive because of the role they had played against the Petit Lao. Not anticipating defeat, the US government had no provisions for evacuating the stranded Hmong. From nineteen seventy five on, the Hmong fled Laos for Thailand.
0: So can we can we stop there? I know there is more history, but yes, I want, because I know these numbers, I want to stop there for just a second. So really what we're saying is, what you're saying is, 30,000 people died just helping us fight. True? Yes. Okay. One third of their people.
1: So essentially to break that down, because it really summed up all of the war- and what happened in it in one paragraph, it was the Cold War. We used the Hmong in this location to cut off a supply route that the North Vietnamese and the communist faction of Lao were using, and they agreed to it with the caveat that if we won, we won, and if we didn't win, we would help get them out of that situation. Mm hmm The general that helped lead the guerrilla army that um, fought against the Patatla, Mang Pao. One of his main reasons for getting everyone in the war and recruiting people to the war was the education that was being provided to the Hmong citizens that were in these villages. Like American education? Learning how to read and write, essentially. Okay. Many of the women, regardless of age were taught how to be nurses and such. So that was part of his drive, basically basically trying to create a better situation for his people.
0: Absolutely. And also, at this point, nobody thinks that this is a bad investment on either side because the United States hadn't lost a war yet. I mean, seriously, we came off of World War II, went into Vietnam, transitioned right here,
1: right? Well, and this was a little bit before Vietnam, but yes, you're accurate. They didn't expect to lose. They literally said, if we lose, we have an out for you. No worries, guys.
0: With absolutely no intention of losing. Correct. Which is why there was no plan of an out. It was absolutely an <laughs> empty promise.
1: The Hmong were actually some of their ace fighter pilots. And the video that I was watching was just heart-wrenching. Some of the American soldiers that had formed relationships with the Hmong and then the Hmong that had formed relationships with these soldiers talking about their buddies and how honest they were with each other about the situation and just having to accept their fate and still fighting for the cause. I mean, something to note was that we were arming their children as young as 10.
0: Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And and then also, like, can you imagine America handing American 10-year-olds no. weapons? Like, that wouldn't happen. That wouldn't, under any circumstances, that wouldn't happen. So, ha, mm, I just really struggle with that. I really struggle with that because not only then are you militarizing children, which is fucking wrong, but you're militarizing other people's children with the hope of either we win and you get your freedom and your land or you lose and you get to come home with us that's why we want your children to know how to fight and and yet we couldn't deliver on that fucking promise which i know we haven't really gotten to i'm just i just get upset about it carry on
1: no that is one of my biggest issues of like we don't militarize our children yes we did have young soldiers but we don't we don't do that
0: no I don't even know what the youngest soldiers were at some point, but children was not it.
1: In the uh, video that I was watching, which was from pbs.org, which I will put in the show notes, it is really good. I highly recommend watching it. There was a, I think he was a fighter pilot, and he was recounting seeing a group of soldier children gathered around a body, and he walked up and he asked them, You know, what are you you doing? What's going on? And one of the children said, this is my friend. And he's gone. And the child was, I think he said 12. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, the movie was heart-wrenching. Is this the
0: movie that you shouldn't have watched while you watched it, when you watched it?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I didn't even watch it. I was just listening to it. I turned and looked during that part, and I was like, well, shit. Well, now I'm fucking crying. I mean, really, the thing that got to me about this was we used people for a purpose and then we left them because...
0: Abandoned. Left doesn't even... Allie, left doesn't even carry the amount of weight, in my opinion, to describe what what Americans did to Hmong people. We abandoned them. I agree. And I, I need you as listeners to hear us say that. We militarized their children. We made promises that we were too arrogant to really assess, and then we abandoned them. And in the process, so far in the history we've covered, they lost one-third of their population. That's just, that's just in the fighting, right? We've only covered the, the 30,000 people that we lost in the war itself.
1: It was 10% of their total population, but to put that into context, casualties were in the tens of thousands, which was 10 times those faced proportionately by American soldiers in Vietnam.
0: It's a lot of fucking people. And is that just... Mm -hmm. You said casualties. That's just the death count, right? Correct. Okay. Because I know that there's some other numbers at some point. There's some other numbers at some point. So, you guys... We're just talking about the number of people who died at this exact moment. That's a lot of fucking people. That's a lot of people that the American government decided were absolutely disposable. I think we just we should just call it what it is.
1: No, I agree. So essentially what happened was we lost that war.
0: The secret war. So nobody actually talked about the fact that we were even in this war and that we lost it.
1: And uh, once we fled... We did take a group of Hmong with us, but we left the bulk behind. And actually, in that video I was listening to, General Vang Pao purposely tried to stay behind as long as he could. So he would put other people on the carriers to get them to go first because he knew that they would want to take him with and he would basically be the last mm-hmm. to ship out and like the go signal and um they were loading people on the last plane essentially and nobody knew it was the last plane Not, the pilot didn't even know it was the last plane and people were clamoring to get on and their families had no idea that they wouldn't see them again
0: which is just
1: despicable
0: it's i'm i'm struggling for the words because that's so fucked up Despicable is a good fucking word, and yet it doesn't feel girthy enough for how sick that makes me. Not only did we break this promise, but there was absolutely no accountability and no communication even to our own fucking people to say, hey, this is the last, this is the last bus, tell people to get on it, right? Like, we've already lost so many of these people who did us a favor let's go back to that the Hmong people had absolutely no reason to get involved in this war other than helping us because we promised them a better more sustainable country because if I recall correctly Thailand was a communist country and so is Vietnam is that true
1: yeah they were already being persecuted um in a few different ways, essentially. So it was not a very healthy environment. Is that extremely peaceful at all times, essentially?
0: But the Hmong people weren't directly in the crosshairs, if I remember correctly.
1: From my understanding.
0: Yeah. So they volunteered. They volunteered themselves as a community to help us, right? And then we couldn't even give them the decency of saying. This is the last bus. Get on it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Which is just, it's so fucking sad. So fucking sad. And I go back to just abandonment and betrayal and the fact that I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop because I know that you have more history to share and I don't want to get ahead of myself because I know pieces of this, but obviously you're the one who did the research and you know more. So please continue Just listeners, please hear us say how deep this gravity well really is at this point in this story.
1: So after this abandonment, many Hmong fled to Thailand in which they essentially had to survive crossing the rivers and jungles to get into Thailand. And a lot of them didn't make it because it's fucking jungles. And they were being hunted.
0: And they couldn't swim. These people These people were inland. They had no idea how to swim. They had to teach themselves how to swim to get across this fucking river, which wasn't like a little nice brook that just had some pebbles. Like, it's a fucking river.
1: Mm-hmm. So in Thailand, most Hmong were placed in Ban Banai Camp okay. in the northeast part of the country near the Mekong. It was severely overcrowded, and there was no electricity, running water, or sewage disposal. It was closed in 1992.
0: Isn't it true that that was sort of like Thailand's version of a concentration camp?
1: Yes, there were there were reports of genocide, torture. Um, I didn't say anything about genocide, torture, and um, basically not being treated properly, being treated like cattle, and chemical warfare being used against them, not necessarily by the Thai, but terrible, terrible things that were occurring. Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I fully believe those, I fully believe those claims. I couldn't find anything that fully solidified it, probably because everything was denied by the government.
0: Yeah, that's probably fair. I mean, it's, it's, so what I can speak to about that, again, from the history that I have looked into, um, just, again, in full transparency, I learned about this in my diversity class a couple semesters ago, and it really just did not sit well with me. And I started studying it because I genuinely wanted to understand uh, small, unrelated, but related. My brother is actually Vietnamese, and I never, I, I literally didn't know the difference at all between Hmong people and Vietnamese people. And I had just grown up. I grew up around Vietnamese people, and I I honestly thought that they were the same culture. So this class, honestly, it was like shell shock to me to learn that that's an entirely different culture. While I thought the words were just very interchangeable. Um, so what I can say to this piece, to this piece specifically, is uh, from the learnings that I've done that it was very much so a mini Holocaust for the Hmong people it during their time in Thailand, mm-hmm. and that's if they made it across the river. And it was the choice of two evils. I mean, Vietnam was just as dangerous, if not more, than Thailand, but Thailand offered sanctuary only to then have it be a death trap. Between traveling and the concentration camps, a very significant number of Hmong population was lost Mm -hmm. just in that concept.
1: So, some Hmong chose to flee to the U.S. as opposed to the refugee camps, and they're the ones that became known as boat people.
0: As in, like, a derogatory term, like boat people?
1: See, okay, here's the thing. I've heard this term before, and I I think, I want to say I've seen it in a history book. So, I don't know... I don't know if it's meant to be derogatory, but I also feel like it's been used as derogatory. So I think both ways.
0: Not only that, but nothing about, nothing about that terminology makes me feel warm and fuzzy.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. So here's my shout out. Any of our listeners who are Hmong people, we would love to understand your position on the terminology of quote unquote boat people. Allie and I are in the position that it does not make us feel good and warm and fuzzy, but also we're not sure if that's derogatory. So we would love for you to help us. We would love for you to educate us on your position on that so that we can be better educated and we can help educate
1: others. So here's to add to the timeline. Okay. We fled the war in 1975, or there actually might have been a truce. I think there was a truce. Doesn't mean there was a truce for the Hmong. They were still persecuted and hunted, obviously. Mm -hmm. Five years later, finally, we passed the Refugee Act, establishing the Office of Refugee Resettlement and Federal Refugee Resettlement Program. Initially, the act promoted a scatter approach of settlement, placing refugees with American sponsored families to help integrate, but this didn't take into account their culture slash clan structure, which... You, you scatter approach a clan of people that literally depend on their support system. That's how they live and their culture. Why would you even, why would you even consider spreading them across the country? That makes no sense to me.
0: It doesn't make sense to me, but also I think that just speaks directly to the systemic nature of our country and our government because they have absolutely no regard For the way that other cultures operate and their, their structural, their structural construct.
1: Well, you can tell that nobody that was actually over there that lived with the Hmong and interacted with them or had anything to do with them helped set up any of this. So Correct.
0: There was no diversity on the diversity team when they discussed how to integrate the Hmong people into American society.
1: Shout out to white privilege. Shout
0: out to white fucking privilege.
1: Eventually, major Hmong centers formed, one of which was the Lao family community established by General Bang Pao, who had been brought to Southern California. So here's a fun, not so fun fact.
0: Fun, not so fun.
1: The Hmong that were initially let into the U.S., that came over as Hmong of Choice, I guess you could say, were the best educated.
0: So you put best educated in air quotes. Do you mean like those were the people who were the most educated by our education system that was implemented over there?
1: Uh, I can't. I'm I'm assuming so. But okay. But essentially what the article I was reading said... They said the field workers or the people that couldn't read and write or didn't have the opportunity to do so were second choice. Oh, fuck that. They were considered not worthy.
0: Fuck all that shit. Fuck all that shit. Oh my God, that makes me so fucking angry. Oh my God, that makes me so fucking angry. How could you possibly put a weight on someone's life based on their GPA? That's or or their trade or their career. Nobody's career or IQ determines the value of someone's fucking life. Mm -hmm. That's infuriating to me.
1: So that's kind of the background of it. That wonderful secret war and why the Hmong people ended up emigrating to the United States. Um, There's something that I actually wanted to point out here so i'm saying emigrate because they did emigrate they did not immigrate immigrate is coming to a country to live there emigrate is emigrating is leaving your own country to go somewhere else they were forced to leave their own country to go somewhere else yeah we caused this this wasn't this wasn't their choice. They didn't want to come live here. So
0: I I totally hear you, and I really appreciate that clarification. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna beef that up just a tiny bit in saying, Allie is saying two different words in the sense of e m emigrate and I m immigrate. Yep. Thank you, Winston.
1: So there was no current census, obviously, because it's just now 2020. So the most recent census I could find was 2010.
0: That's current information.
1: <laughs> As of 2010, 260,000 Hmong live in the United States, primarily settled in California, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Minneapolis.
0: Minnesota, Minneapolis. Yep. Shit. <laughs> That's not getting cut. Michigan. Wow. No, we just switched states. I'm just so confused about what's happening. <laughs> We're all over the board. And what makes this even fucking worse is the only neighbor, the only non-neighbor state is California. And you fucked up all the neighboring states. I love this. I love you. You're my best friend.
1: I You're my favorite person. just read Michigan, MI, as Minneapolis, because I'm so good.
0: Minneapolis, Minnesota.
1: <laughs> so California, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan.
0: Okay, there are are the states.
1: There are the states. (laughs) So, on the economic side of things.
0: Let's talk about some money.
1: Let's talk about money. Okay, I just have to state that it was very fucking hard to find the economic side of things.
0: Why do you feel that way?
1: Uh, I think it's a few things. I think it's because they have a very young history here. That's fair. They're a very small portion of our population. Also fair. So they're underrepresented. Those are my those are my things. What are your No, things? I think those are good
0: things. I think those are very valid things. I just really am very hung up on I'm really very hung up on this misconception though that Hmong people are Vietnamese or are Asian or are any other Asian culture and that they aren't represented in our country by their own culture. And I think the reason, this might be me overthinking it, but I can't escape the fact that Hmong people came here due to the secret war. Does that make them, like, a secret part of our society? Like, does are the Hmong people like america's like dirty little secret oh, which yeah. sounds so bad and so nasty but like that doesn't change the fact that that's real
1: No, I agree 100%. I truly think that if we could have swept it under the rug we would have and it's disgusting.
0: So disgusting. So disgusting. Okay, let's 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 talk about some money now that we've really I appreciate you allowing me to say that because I have thought that for a long time, and it just felt good to express that right there in this conversation because I just don't, I I don't have a different way of looking at it. I don't have a different way of wrapping my head around it, and especially if we're having this conversation together, but for you as our listener, please hear us say, this culture is beautiful and amazing and good And represents a very selfless part of humanity, and yet the American government made it this dirty little secret. Just sit with that for a second. That's fucked up. We turned an ally into this thing that we don't talk about. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's fucking wrong. All right, so Allie, now that I said those words, hit me with some money.
1: So this is kind of just a little note before I get into this giant quote that I could not possibly have said better than this blog. So one thing that I was reading is that in some instances, the clan structure of pooling resources and income in order to buy houses, businesses, cars, has helped to achieve a level of economic stability and growth within the monk community, which is really, really awesome to see that that structure has helped Mm-hmm. That financial upward movement. Absolutely. So, from blog.brown.edu. This is a long one, so buckle in.
0: I made a buckle noise.
1: You did. In Hmong American households, extended families often still share home due to the low income of many refugees. Hmong families still lag over 10,000 behind the average American household, and 27% of Hmong are in poverty. Hmong are generally prudent with finances due to the uncertainty of their traditional farming economy and the poverty that they endured during war and as refugees. The clan structure of the Hmong continued to help organize businesses and agricultural labor. While the Hmong hold on to their traditions, they have also established new economic niches in America. They began selling American produce, particularly strawberries and tomatoes, the American dream, particularly aspiring towards economic independence, was an ideal held highly in Hmong circles. While some Hmong did accept government aid, their fierce desire for self sufficiency made many reluctant to accept welfare. End quote.
0: I think that is such an amazing quote, and I am so grateful that you didn't try to to surmise that. And that I'm actually, I have tears in my eyes right now. I do. I'm grateful that you shared that. I'm grateful that you didn't try and cliff note that and that you just shared just directly that piece. And here's what I think is so important to me about that. And I might actually cry saying this. There are so many times in our society where immigrants are looked at as lazy and as self-serving and as greedy and and American citizens, white American citizens, feel this constant need to put this label on people of other cultures. Mm -hmm. And you sharing specifically as it relates to the Hmong culture, but this could be said about so many immigrant cultures to our country. These people are not lazy. These greed. people are not greedy. These people are not asking for a handout. Stop fucking assuming they are.
1: Literally every Hmong that I know personally works their ass off.
0: Seriously! every Every person of Asian descent of any kind that I know works their fucking ass off.
1: And part of me wonders if that has to do with their culture and history being passed down. Like, knowing where they came from and what... Was endured by their the generations before them,
0: I think not only that, but I think I think the draw of um the the American dream is honestly more for quote unquote Americans. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Mhm, so this is my last quote, and this website is incredible. It's actually done by a gentleman that lives here in Wisconsin. His name is Jeff Lindsay, that's Jeff, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y dot com. I was just really struck by this quote, so I had to put it in here.
0: You have found amazing quotes thus far, and if this one makes me cry, I'm just going to end this call, just so you know.
1: Sounds good. (laughs) Hmong refugees in the U.S. struggle with their unusual ways. Though the rising generation of youth have assimilated much of American culture, even at the risk of losing touch with their heritage, for the older generation, adapting the new ways have been painful. The language is a great barrier to the elderly, many of whom have had no schooling and had no reading skills prior to coming to the U.S. Simple things like going to a grocery store or walking through town can be terrifying experiences for the elderly. End quote. I thought that was extremely important because, once again... These were people that were in service to our country for an end goal for our country that are being, what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, disrespected due to to not adapting to our culture, but they shouldn't have to.
0: No, I agree. And you know what seems very fitting? Today is Veterans Day. Mm Mm-hmm. I truly want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who has ever served for our country. Thank you to every American soldier who has ever served for our country or is currently serving for our country, but also thank you to every immigrant soldier who has ever served for our country. Like, the Hmong people aren't the only people who have ever done that. Mm Mm-hmm. Historically, there are other cultures who have served for a country that would never have served for them. And I think it's important to really recognize those people on Veterans Day as well. So, I although agree. this episode isn't airing on Veterans Day, we are recording today. And I think it's really fucking important to say that. So, thank I you. Agree. Thank you, men, women, and apparently children who have served in the name of the United States of America. I am very grateful to you.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the things for me in that quote was, this is specifically talking about the elderly. Now, I do agree that if you're here, you need to, wherever you are, living Learning the main language there is probably a good idea to make life easier. For your
0: own survival.
1: Yeah. But it shouldn't be required. There's no reason that you don't automatically deserve respect, is my point.
0: I would agree with that. I think it's important. I think the different perspective that I have on it, though, is I think it's important that american citizens get off of this concept of speak english or get the fuck out which is a very real thing like Mm -hmm. okay we need to get away from that as a whole because when when america was founded by white people not by the indigenous people who were here before us but when white people came to this country none of them spoke the same language Italian people spoke Italian. Irish people did not speak Italian, right? That we we all came here speaking a different language. It's okay if people continue coming here speaking a different fucking language. Although I agree with your point in saying as somebody who speaks another language, learning English to survive in America on Survive doesn't even feel feel right to live in America on a less complicated level. I agree with that, but I am not of the position that saying if you live here, you must learn English. That's your choice. That's absolutely your choice, and you don't have to do me any favors by learning how to speak English. If you want to do that for yourself, i I support you. I'm here for it, but I don't think that. I'm of the position that anyone in this country should be forced to speak English because I just don't agree with that. And and to the point that you are making, the Hmong culture is absolutely losing their native tongue because people aren't speaking it Mm -hmm. in order to live in this country.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that perspective of it.
0: Thank you. I appreciate hearing that. Just because I do. Because it's such an unpopular opinion. So, I appreciate that you support my perspective on that.
1: So, that was what I had on the history and a little bit of the economic side of things.
0: I did not like any of it, but I did appreciate all of it.
1: Okay, well... (laughs) So we have the questionnaire that you had sent to Lichie that she had so graciously responded to for us. And I would love to read those questions and answers. But you are friends with Lichie. I do not know her personally. So I didn't know if you wanted to give a little context as to how we came to be in her great presence. Thank you. Yes, yes. absolutely. You so, yes,
0: uh, my very, very dear friend Li Qi, Uh I met her I think like three years ago she was in my very first class as I re-entered the college world as a single mother and she she was in my project team building and problem solving class and she's just the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen. I absolutely love her. She is so amazing and small which is so important because It's important that you know that she's small because she actually is a football player. What? I'm dead fucking serious. And she's stupid good at it. She she plays in a flag football league. And although it's flag, they still are like super aggressive. Uh The flag is honestly just because like it's a it's a rec league and whatever. But she is insanely fast. And I have seen her, she gets stupid thick, like muscle, like, and Mm -hmm. she's got just this amazing physique and I just, oh my God, I love her. And I think she's so amazing. And she was actually one of the first people who I have ever met who was so open and took such pride in sharing that she was Hmong. Uh, And she actually was the first person to ever educate me that there was a difference between Vietnamese people and Hmong people. Because again, I grew up around Vietnamese people. So I was of the position they were the same culture. And like I said earlier in the episode, that those words were interchangeable. Kind of like how you can use an overlying term of Hispanic, but then you can also specifically be speaking about mexicans or latinas right but they all kind of fall under this umbrella i thought that was the same concept she was the first person to ever correct me openly and say i understand what you're saying i'm not offended however my culture is Hmong people and they're not the same and i just mm-hmm. that meant so much to me and i just absolutely love her so huge shout out to our girl lychee Huge, huge, huge shout out. We could not do this episode without you. We are so grateful for you and your time and your help. And we hope that someday soon you can be a special guest on the episode. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: So, our first question was What was your experience growing up Hmong in the U.S.? She said, I know many people had their own experience growing up being Hmong in the United States. In my own experience growing up in the U.S. being Wong, I had watched my parents sacrifice everything to make sure to put a roof over my siblings' and I's head and food on the table every day. My parents didn't understand English and only spoke a little of it. My parents made sure that my siblings and I watched each other's surroundings because we may never know what can happen to us since we are minorities. Even if anything were to happen to us, we would have to listen and follow the instructions unless it is life-threatening, then definitely fight back and defend yourselves. Like, for example, if one were to get pulled over by an officer, we were taught to listen to what the officer asks for and follow what he or she says. And I will always remember this saying from my parents, your life is way more precious than anything else. You are not replaceable. My parents were always afraid of something happening to any one of my siblings and me. Minorities at the time were getting mistreated and the Hmong people were being called or known as gooks. I remember going to school scared every day because I know that I am different from others. I didn't talk as much in school while growing up. I was always quiet and made sure I did what I need to do for school. I remember people asking me questions like, do you eat dogs or cats? How come I never see your kind of people before? Or where did you come from before coming to the United States? I used to be upset when people asked me those kinds of questions, but it made me realize that it could be a great lesson to explain to those who didn't know.
0: So I have so many thoughts about that, but I really want to hear your thoughts first. So what are your thoughts on that?
1: Just anger. I mean,
0: (laughs) I'm in the same place as I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. If you guys haven't figured out that I laugh when I'm uncomfortable yet, like, please go back a couple episodes and figure it the fuck out.
1: The thought of any child, the thought of adults struggling obviously bothers me. But the thought of any child feeling out of place anywhere gets to me even more. I agree. Especially with the added level of racism. And then the quote from her parents, "The your life is way more p- precious than anything, than anything else, you are not replaceable. That was extremely... That
0: hit me. That hit me deep. Mm-hmm. That hit me so deeply because although... Any parent would feel that way about their child, or or any parent should feel that way about their child. To your point, there's an added level of sincerity to that statement coming from minority parents to their minority children, especially considering how many Hmong people were lost and abandoned and suffered and how their numbers as a culture truly have experienced, to an extent, the path of extinction at some point in history, right? And not even that long ago. So to, to, to have that experience as a culture and to look at your children knowing that your children are the only way that this culture will continue to exist... And also genuinely valuing your children's life without question. That makes the concept of you are not replaceable that much more meaningful to me.
1: Well, and here's the stark contrast. That statement, as compared to the secret war, these children were replaceable to the United States government. It's disgusting.
0: Yes. yes. Oh my God, that's such a good point. Oh my God, I didn't even go there. Oh my God, my brain.
1: That's why that hit me harder.
0: I just, I I think that's where I was going and yet I didn't make that full mental connection. So I feel very conflicted at you right now in I love you and you're amazing and thank you for making that full circle for me and also fuck you for making that full circle for me.
1: <laughs> All right, I will never do that again.
0: <laughs> I will never, never help again. <laughs>
1: So the next question was, were there any racial, were there any racial issues or cultural misunderstandings? She said, there are many racial issues in the Mong community, but is not mentioned or outspoken as much. Racial issues happen every day without anyone knowing. Others may make jokes out of it, thinking it is okay to joke about anyone's culture or community. The two most recent racial issues I can think of are. One, the coronavirus that happened this year. Literally every Asian person was targeted. People assumed that every Asian in the world had spread it worldwide. Those who attacked it didn't care much about what kind of Asian ethnicity you are. And two, the police officer in Minnesota during George Floyd's arrest, any Hmong men with the same last name as the Hmong officer were being targeted and didn't think twice that those innocent Hmong men with the same name Weren't the same mom officer.
0: So what I think is really important about both of those. What I think is really important about both of those pieces is this. The first being let's let's talk about Corona for a second. OK, we fucking hate COVID. We can say that. But Li Qi brings up an amazing fucking point. At, at this stage in the game, it doesn't matter where Corona came from. It truly doesn't. It can't be assigned to an ethnicity.
1: Also, who fucking did that? Donald Trump. Donald Trump.
0: As Tiny would say, Donald Frump, which I love that she came up with that. Like, it's my
1: favorite.
0: I, I don't say that. She came up that's with that on her own. That's more accurate. Um, but yeah, that's fucking wrong. This disease did not come from an ethnicity. It did not. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really want to get into where it came from. It's irrelevant at this point. The whole world has it. The whole world is experiencing it, just like the whole world experienced the plague and scarlet fucking fever and smallpox and all kinds of other fucking illnesses that were never once tied back to an ethnicity. So fuck anybody who thinks that COVID is related to anybody of Asian descent. That's just fucking stupid, ignorant, racist bullshit. And if... If you're on this podcast listening to us say that, either go back and listen to the white privilege episode or kindly go fuck yourself and exit our podcast. Bye. Bye. So, then on the second piece of that, being the police officer piece from the George Floyd murder, you sort of said this earlier, and I'm not going to say it correct either not even correct as in wrong, but I I don't have the clan names. But earlier you said that there were 18 clans in the Hmong culture. Mm. When you say clans in relation to this culture, it's a little bit different than other cultures that operate on like a tribe system. But there is very high potential that that tribe system operates in a similar fashion. I just know this to be true about mong culture in a quote-unquote clan in the mong culture that's your last name that is where you came Mm -hmm. from that is the clan that you belong to so really you guys mong people have one of 18 last names that's it for for the entire population of mong people unless you marry outside of the mong culture you get one of 18 last names to choose from. Could you imagine if white people had one of 18 names to choose from? Yep. We would all be Smiths and, and Joneses and fucking... I, I don't even know. I, I don't even know. I can't imagine what that would be like to only have 18 names. Like, that's insane. But Leachy brings up a really good point. That officer... Which I have personal feelings about, and that's not what this is. But that officer has one of 18 last names that then also fit 1.3 million fucking people. It's not, that is not fair to say just because you share the same last name as someone and you also happen to be a man, you're the cop that murdered George Floyd. That's fucking ignorant and just wrong. Just wrong.
1: Just wrong. And realistically, people don't actually think that they're related to the cop that murdered George Floyd. It's just another excuse to be racist.
0: Correct. Absolutely correct. So thank you for steering my comments in the right direction because I'm just over here just pissed. And that's what I was getting at, but I know I didn't say that very well. So I'm very grateful to you for redirecting my thought because I'm just fucking pissed about it. I am. That would be like, that would be like Dahmer being one of 18 last names. And if your last name was Dahmer, immediately you're the fucking spawn of Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, nobody knows shit about you, except you could be Jeffrey Dahmer. Cool. It's fucking stupid. It's just, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking annoyed by it. It's fucking stupid. And it's racist. Racist bullshit. I fucking hate racists.
1: I just love when you rant.
0: Thank you. I love that you love my rants. I don't know if other people love my rants, but I can't stop them. They're <laughs> it's it's compulsive. They're just gonna keep happening.
1: So the next question is, do you find that the Hmong identity is often mislabeled or unknown? Okay. She said, Yes, I think the Hmong people are. They do all the time. Most people don't know who the Hmong people are and what the Hmong people did to get to the United States. People tend to mislabel us as Chinese, Japanese, or another Asian race, so that's her answer for that and I have to interject there because I feel that Asian races in general are often misidentified and grouped into one I would agree, like area and This is speaking from experience with my brothers who are half Filipino. Except they don't they don't get grouped into the Asian population, which is like generally grouped as Chinese they get grouped into a Mexican population when they're tan in the summer for some reason
0: because they get the most beautiful color and I hate being near them in the summer because they are a color that I will never turn no matter how much I tan and I'm very envious of it
1: I'm literally jealous of Every single part of their genetics. I
0: know. Oh, and their beautiful hair. Okay, we can yep.
1: stop. <laughs> but point being is that it's disgusting in that so many people take an entire people and group them, and group them under one umbrella because they're too they're too basic to try to learn more about other people. Basic isn't the right word. Ignorant isn't the right word either, but people don't want to learn about people other than themselves.
0: Apathetic is the word that you're going for, but we're not cutting basic or ignorant because I loved that your thought process brought you to basic (laughs) because you're not wrong, but I would agree with you. Apathetic and apathy. Apathy is such an interesting, intangible concept. And, and also it's so versatile because you can be apathetic about literally anything but specifically when it comes to racial issues or, or just understanding that there are other races as a whole, apathy can be so dangerous and we didn't talk about apathy in our white privilege episode but I think that it's really important to distinguish in in white privilege we talked about how ignorance is, hates little brother. I feel like apathy is the mother of hate and also ignorance. I feel like both of those emotions or those state of minds come from a place of apathy. I I really do. And I think that that's just so dangerous. It's so dangerous to just not care Mm
1: -hmm. and obviously
0: there are certain things that you should just not care about right like we should just not care about racists and we should just not care about homophobics like we should just not care okay but that doesn't mean that i don't value that person's life that doesn't mean that i'm going to set out to hurt racists or or homophobes that i'm not i'm not doing that because i'm not apathetic i'm angry i'm frustrated but i'm frustrated because those people are coming from a place of hate where i'm not i don't know i don't Mm -hmm. even know if that
1: made sense but yeah i get what you're saying
0: fuck apathy like point blank period fuck apathy
1: So my next question was, what is something from the Hmong culture that you wish people would be more aware and respectful of?
0: I love that. Thank you for doing that.
1: Her answer ties back into the history, but I think it's important to read it in her words. I wish people were more aware and respectful of who the Hmong are and how they got to the United States. The biggest reason Hmong people are here today in the U.S. is because the U.S. government and the CIA had promised the Hmong community in Laos that they would bring all the Hmong people to the U.S. after fighting a war against communism. The war was before the actual Vietnam War, and it is now known as the Secret War. It was named the Secret War because the U.S. government and the CIA made sure no one knew about this war in the 1960s. That is why no one knows about it. At the time, for the Hmong people, the general was General Vang Pao Vang, who later, died in tw- in, who later died in 2011 in California. He gathered all the Hmong boys and men in all different villages to serve under the war starting at age 13 to probably at ages up to mid-50s, men who were still able to move and still had the strength. Hmong boys and men trained on carrying guns, which were 10 times heavier than their weight limit. They also trained on how to use grenades and bombs. During the war, millions of people risked their own lives to protect their people and country. Many innocent lives were lost in the jungle from escaping to freedom from children to adults. Some had lost their lives from escaping the jungle and crossing the well-known river between Laos and Thailand, the Mekong River. Some people were shot and some drowned in the river while trying to swim over to Thailand for freedom. When the U.S. government and the CIA realized that they were losing the war, they decided to back down and leave, leaving millions, leaving behind millions of lives of the Hmong people they promised to bring back to the United States. The Hmong people who were already in the aircraft left their families. Some had to leave their families behind because of the CIA rushing to leave. Now the Hmong has no country to represent besides their culture or has no country to call home. If anyone wants to learn more about The Secret War, there are books, and of course you can Google it. This is also my own personal note. There are additional resources that I will be putting in our show notes that I highly recommend you go check out. Dear Listeners,
0: your listeners check out the show notes i would like to hear your thoughts about that piece i know it's i know it's history but coming from Li Chi's perspective i feel like it just hits a little bit different so do you have any recapping thoughts on her perspective that she shared with us as it relates to the history
1: i mean the whole thing with this that pissed me off the most was that i had i had never heard of this i agree
0: that pisses me off a lot
1: we have a huge mon community here in our area. I've never, granted, I've never looked into why, and that's on me. But also, why didn't I know they were our allies? Why aren't, there, why aren't there stories written about them? Why aren't there songs written about them? Why aren't they given their due respect?
0: Not only that, but another why aren't. Why aren't we taught about this? I mean, the... The Cold War, I'm sorry, no, the Secret War happened in the 60s. We're in 2020. At what point can we start talking about this? At what point can we start mm-hmm. educating? We learn about every single war dating back to the fucking dawn of this country in the American education system. At what point can the American education system teach us about the faults of America as well.
1: Yep, and that's my big gripe too. We need to stop praising just our victories.
0: Agreed. We need to own... Here's the thing. Here's my thing. This is my personal philosophy. Victory is great. Accomplishments are great. And you should be proud of them. But at the same time, you need to be humble enough to admit where you fucked up. Accomplishment means shit. If you can't admit... I was wrong here. I did this wrong here. And the only reason that I've accomplished as much as I have is because at some point I did fuck up. And I learned from it. And I grew from it. And I I owe some people some apologies because I fucked up. Like, that's an important part of it. The whole world looks at Americans as entitled, spoiled, Loud, ungrateful, disrespectful. There's a whole bunch of words for us, right? All over the fucking world. And I truly believe a huge part of it is because we cannot accept humility. As a country, we cannot accept humility. I agree. We're we're just not humble enough for that. And I don't understand why. And I also don't understand why, as a society, that's like a thing that we just perpetuate. I'm not saying everyone in this country is lacking humility and and is incapable of being humble. This isn't on a, a micro level, but on a macro level, why can't we do that? Why why is that not taught? Why I I just don't understand and I feel like our country as a whole would look a lot fucking different if somebody would take that position. If somebody who, who was in charge of the education system could say, you know what, we're going to really tell it how it was. We can talk about the victories, but we also need to talk about our shortcomings. We need to admit this was wrong. We need to own up to that. I just don't understand why that can't happen. And the fact that we're in 2020 and we have a female vice president who is, we have a black woman as our vice president, future state. I I just don't, like, at what point does that happen? At what point do we go back to the drawing board and say, you know what, we've really been doing this wrong this whole time. Let's start having some inclusivity. Let's start having some truth be told. Like, I just don't understand why that's not a thing.
1: Yes, I concur with all the things. (laughs) All the things. So the next question was, what is the most detrimental slash threatening thing to the continuation of the Hmong culture in our country? What could push this culture into extinction?
0: I think that's a really great question. And I'm very curious to hear her answer. That was your question.
1: I know you know this. I'm just informed. I didn't answers. know that. I
0: swear to God, I didn't know that. I swear to God, I forgot that that was my question. As I'm like, that's a really fucking good question, Allie. And then you totally could have just rolled with it because I completely forgot that was my question.
1: Her answer was I had noticed that there are some kids of this generation. They tend to lose the Hmong language. and the Hmong culture, speaking and understanding Hmong are essential because the elders or the older generation do not understand English the best way to communicate with them is to speak the native language.
0: So truly, if you can't speak to the elders of this culture, the culture will die. Yep. There is no there is no library that holds their culture's history and stories and songs and poetry like it it's literally the elders of this culture are the libraries.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: That's so beautiful and yet so fucking sad at the same time. To know that at some point, although Hmong people will still exist, the Hmong culture is at a very high probability of going extinct.
1: Their history is back in a country that they're no longer safe in.
0: Yeah, which also I want to point out, I know we talked about this in the white privilege episode, but... In an entirely different context, shout out to all the Karens who say, go back to where you came from, specifically in relation to Hmong culture, right? And this perspective that we're sharing with you. Where the fuck are they supposed to go? Like, seriously, go back to that. We took them from their home, their home country we accepted their allyship and their home country doesn't exist anymore because it was overtaken in this war that we lost. So this concept, which is fucking wrong and racist and nobody should ever say it, but I am, I I get so upset about this statement that people throw around so freely, racist people throw around so freely of go back to where you came from. For some people, that's not even an option. Mm Mm-hmm specifically for Hmong people that's not even a fucking option and that just that's our fault it's our fault that that's not an option like also let's acknowledge that
1: exactly so the last question was do you have any thoughts experiences or concerns about domestic abuse within the Hmong culture what is the reaction on a family level to that abuse if any can the abuse effectively be brought to the police why or why not
0: that one i know was my question and I recognize that that was my question because I think in last week's episode, in understanding domestic abuse in the Black community, really blew my mind. Yep. Like having this other perspective, and also because domestic abuse has such a real face in in my world, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I genuinely want to understand what this looks like in other cultures because I truly was of the position before last week I was truly in the position of every one of every race had the same opportunities to get out of domestic violent situations or abusive situations
1: Mm -hmm. so her answer was when it comes to a mental health issue or domestic abuse in the Hmong culture we don't talk about it much Hmong women weren't allowed to talk about how they feel or what they are going through. Us Hmong women were taught to not express it out, even though we are suffering inside with pain. When a woman speaks out, she is considered a weak person. Women who are domestically abused by their significant other may try to report to the police. Still in the Hmong culture, the first thing is to go to the husband's relatives, such as his uncles, to discuss the husband's behavior and why he acted that way, acted the way he did to his wife. The saying that all Hmong daughters and wives hear is be patient, go back and listen to your husband. That is why many Hmong women nowadays are empowering one another and standing up for each other.
0: I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. Not only she shared that, but also Hmong women are finding their voices and finding comfort and strength in each other Because truly nobody should have to experience domestic abuse or domestic violence by themselves as a whole. Nobody should have to do that by themselves. That should never be something that isn't talked about. Mm -hmm. And I think what upsets me about that is in the concept of this culture being a patriarchy, there's no way to escape the abuse. There's no there is no way to escape the abuser because these women are told to be patient and to be quiet, while the men are told you need to work on this, but there's no actual accountability there. And even if there is accountability, it's not talked about. So there's no real standard of accountability because it's all just so hush hush. And that really hurts me. That really hurts my feelings that I just think that's very wrong. So this is my personal, this is my personal comment to any Hmong women who are listening to this or Hmong men who might experience abuse as well. I respect your culture very much. I do. But I also respect you as a person and you don't need to be in an abusive situation. It is not healthy and you deserve more than that.
1: I agree and couldn't say it any better than that.
0: That's what I had. I I don't even have anything else to say to that. I don't, other than that statement obviously applies to any victim of domestic abuse, but specifically Hmong women and Hmong men who are experiencing abuse, like, please know you don't have to fight that by yourselves. You don't.
1: You know one of my favorite things that you do? You say it, that's all I have to say about that, and then you say it, accept.
0: I do that. It is true. That is true about me. I do that. I can't help it. I just have so many thoughts and I tell myself that I'm going to be done and then I'm not. So, you know.
1: I just thought bringing that up would bring some levity to it because it literally just happened and (laughs) I thought it was great.
0: I so appreciate that you are always willing to make fun of me to add levity to the situation. I'm I'm here for it. I love it. That's our friendship.
1: So that was the end of the questions that Lee Chi so graciously answered for us.
0: Thank you again, Li Chi. We are so grateful for you and your time and your help. And you were so willing to help us and you were so excited. And I just, oh, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Now, one of the things that I did find is that within the history of the Hmong people being here, there have been a few interactions that have not ended pleasantly, as a result of perhaps a cultural misunderstanding or language barrier. I'm not going to dive into the specifics of it. There are some very unhappy and violent instances that have occurred, but I would urge listeners to keep in mind that they are the minority, not the majority of instances, and to remember the history of the Hmong people, and to put yourself in their shoes and yeah, just learn more, really. Please, click the links in the description notes.
0: Don't be apathetic and educate yourself. Like, truly, if you can base an opinion after you've experienced some education, I I will be the last person to tell you that you shouldn't have an opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. But make it on an educated basis. That's really all I can advocate for.
1: So I guess my question for you is then, what did you learn here today? I
0: learned, God, I learned a lot. I
1: I mean, you also knew a lot of it though, so.
0: I did and yet this conversation just added such a different perspective and I'm very sincerely looking forward to our opportunity to have a, a guest episode on this to really understand more about the inner workings of the culture itself, because I know that there are so many cool, beautiful aspects of the culture. Um, I want to get into their clothes. I want to get into their religion. I want to get into just all kinds of shit about the actual culture, which is so exciting to me. Um, But on this side of it, what I learned is that maybe this is a cop-out, but this is genuinely what I learned. You also just learned about this. And I say just in a very relative concept of this happened for me in the year of 2020. Like, this class was this year for me. But I wasn't the only person who had never heard about this. That's what I learned here today. That you also had never experienced this education to this culture. That it wasn't just me and that I missed that day of American history. Like, it genuinely isn't talked about. And I I just don't understand.
1: So to that point, I had posted the question to a few groups of whether there was a Hmong individual that I could reach out to to ask a few questions. And some people responded letting me know that they didn't even know that Hmong were people within our nation. And that's because they live in states that they don't really populate and that's not their fault that they don't know or aren't familiar that's literally our education system so
0: Hmong people are literally like the secret culture of america
1: they literally are unknown to a huge population of american society because it was a secret yeah so to your point we're not the only ones learning about it in 2020 we have been lucky enough to interact with Hmong people because they're in our area, but then we need to recognize that there are four states primarily that have them. So,
0: 300,000 people is still a lot of people, right? It's still a. That's. I don't know 300,000 people. That's still a lot of fucking people. But then to think about the fact that they're only located in four places across our country, 300,000 divided by four, like. That's a very small number of people. It is it yeah. is a very small number of people, but that's still a lot of people. Mm-hmm. If you think about it on a micro level, that's still a lot of people. And I just, I think it's very sad that more people don't understand that Hmong people are in our country and why, and that their culture is so beautiful. And that really bothers me. What did you learn here today, Allie?
1: I literally learned about the secret war
0: the secret war and the secret people yeah
1: yeah that's literally it i yeah
0: that's not literally it i mean it's all encompassing yeah (laughs) it's that you learned about all of it like that's fair to say that you learned about all of it and honestly i'm so proud of you that you you took on this episode that you did that research that you were so eager to learn about something that you had never heard about before and to run this episode. And I just, I I really appreciate that you did that. And I'm very grateful. And I'm also, I'm very grateful that we came to the conclusion of having this episode. I, okay. I really appreciate that too.
1: It was a great idea. Kudos to you.
0: Thanks. 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 So I hope that you guys in our third week of No Fucks Given November have gotten past the point of these are not our typical silly bubbly banter episodes because there's just a lot of real shit that we need to be talking about like honestly just calling it like it is but i i want to just say i really appreciate you guys taking the time to have these episodes with us to have these com- i really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to these episodes because we obviously think that they're really important and this isn't our only race series. We're not excluding anybody. We want to have other race series or even just like singular race episodes, future state talking about other races and other cultures because we think that that's really important. But No Fucks Given November just really is the starting point of us beginning our journey with you guys in showing that we can have serious conversations also. So on our third weekend, we just really wanted to say thank you for being here. Thank you for being so unbelievably amazing. We truly believe that we have the absolute best listeners. We are so grateful for you guys. Seriously, we love all of you. Thank you for being here with us today.
1: The support has been truly incredible. From listeners, from our podcast family, it's been absolutely amazing, you guys. We'd be lying if we said we weren't a little bit nervous going into this.
0: Especially so early in our podcast career. We're proud of career. what we've
1: built with this podcast. And to dive into something like this head first was a big leap and you guys showed up for it and we're eternally grateful.
0: Yeah. And this was so important to us. So knowing that you guys supported us through it and and have supported us through it is just that means so much to us. It really does. Can we also acknowledge that we have accomplished fifteen hundred listens? Oh yeah, we have. That's a big deal to me. We are halfway to our next milestone of two thousand listens which is not a milestone that we set, you guys. That's just the little analytic milestone on Pinecast, which I appreciate because I like goals. (laughs) So if you would like to continue uh, with us on this journey, continue supporting us, honestly, the best thing that you can do is share our podcast. We want to reach as many people as possible. I know that every podcast says that and that's the goal for everybody, but truly, Allie and I believe that we have such... Uh, an important message to be sharing with people that that is the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing our podcast encouraging the people who you surround yourself with to listen to our podcast and if they aren't down for the serious episodes that's okay we have important shit to say in the silly episodes too Agreed. like honestly
1: if you even share us with one person that is the highest compliment real it is if you want to support us in a monetary capacity and get some cool bonus things while you're at it we have our patreon that's in the show notes as well
0: merch 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 we have a variation of tiers we went through the tiers last week and I'm just, I'm I'm here for it. I'm excited about it. Come have some drinks with us, metaphorically, but also get some merch out of it, realistically. Nice. Thank you. I thought you'd be proud of that because I clearly fucked it up last week.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, let's see if you want to contact us. Ooh, yeah. Socials are important. There's link to all that in the show notes. Just Google Taboo's podcast. We're out there. We're on Twitter. It's a shit show.
0: You're so, you're such a bum right now. Stop it. Our socials include the following if you'd like to email us you may email us as wow you may email us at taboospodcast at com. we are taboos the pod on twitter and instagram and we are just taboos on facebook see that was not that hard
1: for you you're not wrong exactly i have <laughs> faith that our listeners can google us and find us just fine the dead one has faith what? i think that covers all the things i think so too are we ever gonna get better outros no all right well one more week to go guys
0: one more week and uh for anybody who's not sure how november works the end of this month has a holiday a national holiday and we are gonna celebrate a little different no fucks given november is here to fuck some shit up
1: and on that note do you be taboos <laughs>